feel the need to pivot. Just a tad. So overwhelmed by God's grace in this place. Just his kindness to me to allow me to be with all of you as you sing praise to the king. And I was raised in a small town in South Texas, and I was the youngest of four. And so my, my parents, they, they gave me a lot of trust, way too much. And they would leave town, you know, they would, they would go places and, and they would leave me there by myself when I was a, a teenager. And so my house kind of became the party house. And I need you to know that I was raised in church. I went to a church school for nine years and, and really was involved in a Baptist youth group and went to Baptist camp in Glorieta, New Mexico and, and really just gave the appearance of, of a great follower of Jesus. And, and they would leave town and we would get in, you know, dad's liquor cabinet and everyone would come over and then I'd clean up afterwards and I would go back into playing the facade. And I can remember when they would leave just this feeling of freedom, just a real, it was just this, this feeling of, I can do whatever I want. You fast forward the tape and it became time to go to college and I remember we pulled into Waco and my parents helped me unload all of my belongings, which took about five minutes, and I was in my new apartment, and they pulled out of town. They went back home, and they left me there, and I felt this incredible sense of freedom. It's like, I can do whatever I want. This city is my playground. And so I took full advantage of that. In the first three weeks of being here, I, I had managed to get my hands on a, a fake ID, and I had managed to, you know, give fully into my addiction to attention from the opposite sex. I partied, I slept around, I fed my addiction to pornography. And every single night I said my prayers. And I had been here about three weeks. And I had done all of the things that I thought I'd never do. Things I had vowed to God to never do. And I was saying my prayers and there in my twin-size bed in my apartment, I just, all by myself, I just began to weep. I mean, just like not cry, shake, convulse, weep. Because for the first time in my life, I had this thought, what if there's no God? And if there is a God... I don't think he can hear me because since the second they set me in this city, I've been running from him as fast as I can, as hard as I can. And a friend called 
and invited me to this campus ministry. And I went, and there was worship much like tonight. Really powerful, really moving worship. And it was like a glimpse, a reminder, there is a God. And he has a plan and a purpose for my life. And I, it's, it's almost like I came so close to Jesus. And he was like, do you remember me? And it's like he reached out to take my hand. Like I was at the end of my rope. I'm thinking like, okay, if there's no God, then the world is my playground. And because this young man invited me to this campus ministry, there I was face to face with God. It's like I saw him, I experienced him, I felt him. And he was like, I miss you. And like, come back to me. It's like, and all of a sudden I feel like I'm in this tug of war. I'm like the rope in the middle. It's like Jesus has one arm and the world had the other arm. And I was so good at the world. And I was decently okay at playing church. There I was just stuck in the middle. And I have to imagine some of you are here tonight, you have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and you're not doing either of them very well because you have just enough world to not really be able to enjoy the church. You're sitting there and the songs and people are raising their hands and it's kind of like a drug to you, but as you sit there and the sermon's being preached, your mind is racing around her or him or them or that or going there with them and you can't really enjoy it. And when you're in the world, you have just enough church to feel some sort of guilt or conviction you don't even know. Just a mixture of emotions. You clicked on the hashtag. You gave yourself to some two-dimensional image. You sought the affections of some boy. You went back like a dog to his vomit to the thing that you said you wouldn't do. And you just left with shame. You just feel bad. And is that cycle Christianity? Is that what we do? That's what I thought. I thought you do whatever you want during the week. You go to church and you pay your penance. You get right with God and you leave and you do whatever you want throughout the week. And there I am in this campus ministry and I'm face to face with Jesus and I'm in the, the tug of war and I leave sad. I leave sad. It's too much to give up, Jesus. I only got two more years here. Jesus, supposed to sow my wild oats in college, Jesus. Gotta experience all the things Jesus, maybe you're like, but I've got these fraternity brothers, but I've got these sorority sisters, and what does it matter? Because everyone really just plays Christian. 
So what does it look like to go all in with Jesus? I got just a few minutes with you, and we got to talk about it. I'm going to be in the scripture, Luke chapter 18. Listen, I don't know you, and I don't know what you need to hear, so let's establish this up front. This is a passage that I return to often. My heart needs it because it's my story, and maybe it's your story. It's the story of the rich young ruler if you've heard it, if you've been in church long, I think sometimes we think about the rich young ruler like a Pharisee or like a Sadducee, like a, like a religious guy that had something against Jesus. That's not who he was. He was the person that everyone would have looked at as like, oh, that person's really following Jesus. They're really getting after it. He, he was like maybe the Dale Wallace of that day or or the, the Sadie Robertson, like every, you know, he, he was, he was well known and he kind of, one of the reasons he was well known was because of his faith. He was going for it. And I want to talk about three things that will keep you from going for it. Three things that will keep you from going all in with Jesus. Verse 18, Luke 18, verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, we know it's the rich young ruler, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, so if you're an evangelist, this is a layup. You've been waiting for someone to say this to you. Hey, how do I get into heaven? Man, you went to FM 72, right? How do I get into heaven? And you're like, ho, 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 four spiritual laws. Let's go. Created by God. Who loves you? Separated from him by your sin. You ready for this? Right, that, that's where Jesus is going to go, right? That's what he should say, right? He says, why do you call me good? Well, because we thought you were, Jesus. No one is good except God alone. He's distinguishing the fact that this man thinks people can be good. This man is not acknowledging Jesus as God. The Greek word there is agathos. When he says good teacher, agathos teacher, it's not person who teaches well. It's person who teaches who I believe to be perfect, intrinsically good. You know the commandments. How do you get into heaven? You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Oh, no. <laughs> Satan, man. He's angry. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And this is where he should say, like, this is where you should say, but I can't. But I try. Don't get drunk. Don't look at porn. Don't masturbate. Walk in righteousness. Don't be obsessed with boys. But I can't, Jesus. It's too hard. That's what he should say, but he goes, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus says, you want to get into heaven be perfect, because you don't understand I am perfect. Been perfect my whole life. My first point, things that will keep you from going all in with Jesus, self-reliance. Self-reliance. Like my friend said, you know, I just, I'm just going to sin in moderation. <laughs> I can manage this. I can control. It's just a little bit. It's okay. Jesus doesn't want a little bit of your heart. He doesn't want most of your heart. He doesn't want some of your life. 
He doesn't want a part of it, like the, the part that your friends don't get. That, that's, the, that's what you're coming face to face with tonight. You're going to have to make a choice tonight. Am I all in or not? I'm in the tug of war. Like, surely I could be a Christian and be cool, right? I mean, surely I, I could be the worldly Christian, right? How do I get into heaven and keep the commandments? Let me ask you a question, Baylor. Can you get into heaven by keeping the law? Can you get into heaven by keeping the law? No. Jesus seems to say you can. What do we do with that? He says you want to get into heaven, obey all the law. Let me ask you a more important question. Can you keep the law? No. This is where you shake your head violently and you say, I can't keep the law. I've been trying. I've been trying to be good. Like I went to church and they taught me I needed to be good. I've been trying to be good and I just can't do it. I'm not good enough. I share the gospel in the South by asking two questions called the Kennedy questions. And I find them extremely effective in sharing your faith in the South where everyone thinks they're a Christian. And so the other day I finished preaching a sermon here in Waco and a young man comes up to me. Dad's a pastor raised in the church, been in church his whole life. And so I ask him these two questions. The first question I want you to answer for yourself between one and 10, 10 being certain, one being not so sure. If you were to die tonight, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? And this is what I asked this young man. I'm going to give you his answer, but I'd love to get yours. So if we could, I want you to get a good solid number in your head. 10 is certain. I'm, I'm certain. No, like I'll be in heaven. One is probably not. Anywhere in the middle, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. What's your number? Get a, get a good number in your head. Everyone. And let's do this. Just, just humor me for a moment if we can, Okay. Because I want to know kind of where you guys are at, and it's a safe place. Would everybody, just for a, a minute, I'm going to watch your stuff and your belongings, make sure no one takes your purse, but would you, just, would you close your eyes for just a minute? Okay, I want you to think of your number with your eyes closed, and I'm going to have you respond. I'd love everyone to respond. If your number, everybody has their eyes closed, if your number is one through five, would you raise your hand? Say, I'm, my number was one through, okay, there's several one through fives, thank you. I see it, okay, yep, yep, okay. If your number is six, seven, or eight, would you raise your hand? Lots of six, sevens, and eights. Lots of, okay, thank you. And if your number is a nine, like I'm pretty confident, I'm, I'm a nine, I'm right there, would you raise your hand? Okay, lots of nines, lots of nines. Okay, you can put your hands down. You can open your eyes. So I asked this young man who's been in church his whole life, who goes to Baylor, whose dad's a pastor, and I say, you know, between one and 10, 10 being certain, one being not so sure, if you died today, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? And he said, oh man, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm a seven. 
reason I ask everyone those two questions, somebody asked me those questions 20 years ago, and I too said a seven. He said, I'm a seven. And the second question is, if you stood before God and he said, why should I let you in, what would you say? And so you can answer that in your head. You stand before the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who numbered the hairs on your head, who formed you in your mother's womb, and he says, why should I let you into my kingdom? What are you going to say? And, and he said, this young man who's been in church his whole life, dad's a pastor, goes to Baylor. says, because I've gone to church my whole life. Because I've followed him. Because I've done what he's asked me to. It's much like this man. Nobody gets to heaven because they've gone to church their whole life. Nobody gets to heaven because they've done what he's asked them to. Nobody's done what he's asked them to. We already established that. You get into heaven by clinging, clinging to the one that we just sang to, seeing him on the cross, understanding that he died for your sins. I asked him, I said, hey, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? He said, yeah. Yeah, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Sure, I've heard that, right? Do you, do you guys believe Jesus died for your sins? And so I asked him, I said, 70% of your sins? Did he die for 70% of your sins? How many, of, how many of your sins did he die for? Because the gospel, the gospel is that Jesus died for all of your sins. The only thing that you can do in hell is pay for your sins forever. The only person who doesn't have to go to hell, listen, the only person who doesn't have to go to hell is the person whose sins have been paid for. So Jesus lays down the payment. You pick it up. You say, I trust in the payment. You're going to heaven. Give me a verse, JP. 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know so that you may know that you have eternal life. Okay? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Romans 10, 9, If I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in my heart, then I will be 70% saved. It's not what it says. It's not what it says. Why did you believe that? Why would you let Satan convince you of that? You're not saved because of what you did. You're not saved. You, went, you drank too much. You smoked. You vaped. The, the prom night, the guy you went too far, the boyfriend, the girlfriend. You keep looking, clicking, hashtag. You're not saved. Don't let Satan. You turn to Jesus. You say, Jesus, you're enough. You're enough. You're not going to get into heaven because of what you do, not anything. You can surrender your entire body to the flames. But if you don't have a right understanding of what God has done for you, you can go on every mission trip. You can save kittens from burning buildings. But if you have not surrendered to what Christ has done for you. See, where this falls in the scripture, it's so important because it's, it's, it says that, let me read it to you. 
verse 15, right before it, it says, people were bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on him. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, Baylor, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You have to receive it. And maybe you're here and you're like, JP, I'm trying. I'm trying to receive it. You can't try to receive something that someone is giving to you. If they're handing it to you and they're saying, here, take it, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. You can't be like, what? Hold on, I don't know if I can hold it. It's like, it's yours for the taking. Look at the cross, say, yeah, I trust in that. I'd rather have Jesus. I trust that God giving his son for my sins was enough for my sins. When you understand that you can't be good enough, what you bring to God is dependence. You say, here God, I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough or fast enough, good enough or pretty enough, but you're enough. You come to him like a child, verse 22. When Jesus heard this, the, the rich young ruler, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Now, now for, for most of my life, when I read this text, guys, I thought, he was, I thought Jesus was straight punking this dude, okay? Like, that's how I read it. I was like, oh, you want heaven? <laughs> okay, man. So this is how I read it. Like, like, this is the scene, Jesus and the rich young ruler, and, and the, the rich young ruler's like, hey, what do I gotta do to get into heaven? Jesus like, you wanna get into heaven? You gotta be perfect. He's like, I am perfect. And Jesus is like, okay, okay, chump. You think you're perfect, huh? Hey, boys, come here. I gotta, you're going to love this. Okay, watch this. All right, ready? Okay, so you think, you think you're good enough, huh? Watch this, watch this. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. Watch, 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 watch. Oh, are you sad? You look sad. Can't do it, huh? That's how I would read it. It's not what's going on. Here's what Mark says. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He had pity on him. He said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't start relying on, on your good works, your religion class, and your good grades, and your GPA, and your perfect attendance in Sunday school. Stop that. I know that you've memorized some verses. That's not enough. Please don't do that. Please don't rely on that. Verse 23, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. He's saying it is next to impossible for someone. He's actually saying it's impossible. He's saying it is impossible for someone who is well-resourced because there's so much in their life for them to depend on. They're not going to need to depend on God. And what God wants from you is dependence. And if you have money, you'll depend on money. And if you're pretty, you'll depend on being pretty. And if you've got a lot of followers or a lot of views or a lot of likes, you're going to depend on those things. If you're really stylish, you might depend on your style. 
So it's gonna be super hard for you to come to a place where you're like, Jesus, I really, really need you. Because the honest to God truth is in this world, you don't feel like you do. So it's next to impossible for you to enter the kingdom of God. And that's why they said, who then can be saved? It's hard to understand this text in America in 2022. You gotta remember this guy that Jesus is talking to, he's the guy that everybody would have seen. Oh man, that, that's the spiritual giant. That guy's going for it. They're all confused. Jesus is like, he's not getting in. They're like, what's going on? It's like if you went up to Jesus and you said, what do I gotta do to get into heaven? He's like, you wanna get into heaven? You gotta be fast. And you're like, well, how fast do I have to be? And he goes, you know Usain Bolt? He's not fast enough. And you go, well, who then can be saved? And that's why Jesus says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. My second point, what will keep you from going all in? It's what kept me from going all in. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. I want to experience the world. I'm only in college once. I've got to make those memories, you know, like, like I don't want to miss out. Right? Fear of missing out will keep you from going all in. There's one thing you lack. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And follow me. It's actually several things, right? There's one thing you lack. Sell everything you have, that's one. Give it to the poor, that's two. Then follow me. It's the follow me I think Jesus is after. It's the same thing he's after with you tonight. I want you to follow me. Get rid of your idols and follow me. You, you may need to delete social media. You may need to end some relationships. You may need to step out of the sorority. I could never step out of the sorority. What does it profit a woman to gain the whole world and yet forfeit her soul? You may need to respond to the call to missions. You may need to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. I don't know what your idol is. I just know Jesus wants to kill it mercifully for your good because he loves you. And God doesn't take away anything from you that's ultimately going to cost you in eternity. He just desires to give you good. Every single thing that God asks of you is for your good. Like you would do exactly what he wants you to do if you knew what he knows. You would do exactly what he, what he wants you to do if you knew what he knows. So I don't know if it, the, the fears that you brought in here tonight, but I know there's some. Fear of being single forever. Fear of not being noticed. Fear of not feeling loved. Fear of having to end something, to let go of something, to give something away, to, to kill some habit, to no longer look at pornography, no longer vape. I don't know what it is. No longer drink. Here's what I know. From the scripture and from experience. Holding on to whatever is holding you back 
is stupid. There's this video I watch on YouTube. You can find it on your own if you want. And <laughs> it's pretty entertaining. It's called How to Kill a Baboon, which I know doesn't feel loving, but it's entertaining. So it's fine. <laughs> Kidding. But that's what it's called. And so it, and it, it's real. Like it takes place like in the uh, Maasai Mara, in the kind of African safari, if you will. And, and there's this guy and he's trying to get a baboon. And, and what he does is there's these termite mounds. And termite mounds are like these concrete pillars, if you will, these, these mounds, but they're as hard as concrete, they say. And he drills a hole in that termite mound and he takes this little silver trinket. And evidently baboons are really uh, curious animals. Who knew? And he takes that silver trinket and this baboon is in the tree just watching him the whole time. And he puts the silver trinket inside the hole that he drilled in the termite mound. And, and he walks off and then the baboon comes up and he sticks his hand in the hole and he grabs the silver trinket and he can get his hand in, but he can't get his fist out. And so this is where the comedy comes into play because the guy then is walking up to the baboon, but the baboon's going crazy and he starts squealing and screaming and screeching and flipping and he's trying to get his hand up. And all he has to do is let go of the thing, but he just won't. He wants to hold on to it, like his pride or whatever it is. He's like, no, I'm not going to let it go, you know? And so he holds on to it and the guy just walks up to him and puts a rope around his neck and leads him off. And I'm not fear-mongering right now. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Don't ever forget this for the rest of your life, what I'm about to say. Because I, I hope you'll look back on this moment one day and you'll say, that was absolutely true. That's what the enemy's going to do to you. You keep holding on to that thing that you don't want to let go. He's going to walk up, put a rope around your neck in the spiritual realm and just lead you off. And say, she's mine. He's mine. What are you holding on to that's holding you back? Peter says to him, verse 28, Peter speaks up. If you've been in church long, you know that's like an oh no moment. Peter, keep your mouth shut. We've left all we had to follow you, Jesus. We did what you were asking him to do. Maybe that's how you feel tonight. I did, I've done that, Jabe. I've done all the things, man. I've left, the, I've left that world behind me. I'm following Jesus, man. I'm all in. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God. Do you see the kinds of things that you, some of you are like, but you don't know. If I go all in with Jesus, it will cost me my family. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Do you believe that? Because all I'm doing right now is reading to you the Bible. And it's not some weird version. It's New International Version. And, and it's... And it's not like I don't subscribe to the prosperity gospel, but I do read something here that says no one who has given up these things will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this age and in the age to come. When you begin to live by faith, 
you begin to experience the blessings of God that are greater than you can even ask for or imagine. And those blessings might be security for the first time. For the first time in your life, you might have no shame. For the first time in your life, you might be able to walk into a room confidently and not wonder if everyone's talking about you. You won't even care. You will just be completely and totally radically free to love them. You're like, will I get a lot of money? You, you might even get to this place where you don't need it. You're like, I'm free from the love of it, right? Jesus is taking the things that you've left, multiplying and putting them in front of you, and you're walking toward them forever. And so my third and final point, not realizing what you will gain will keep you from going all in. I am, I'm, I'm in a series right now teaching spiritual warfare, and I'm utterly convinced that we don't think about heaven enough. We don't think about the presence of God enough, the kingdom coming enough, being in the presence of Jesus. And I'm completely convinced that, that God has his expectations of his followers, that we would set our minds on the things above, no longer conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. These are scriptures, I'm telling you. These are things that he's asked of us, I'm telling you, that we would constantly think about his kingdom. If you don't have Jesus, and you're there, you hear me, and you know you're like, I, I, I mean, I've got Christianity, but I don't have Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, this is as good as it will ever be. This is your heaven. But if you have Jesus, this is the only hell you will ever experience. Right here, right now. This is as bad as it will ever be here in this world. This guy, Jesus is calling him to true riches, to be rich in good deeds. And he leaves sad. When I, I was in the corporate world out of college, and then the Lord called me, saved me, I was at a club, 20 years ago, someone invited me to, to church. I'd been to church a thousand times, but I went, hung over, sat in the back row, smelled like smoke from the night before, and ended up surrendering my life to Jesus. Five years later, God called me into vocational ministry, which was a crazy left turn because at this place in our life, like we were, we had experienced, my wife and I at the time, we had experienced some worldly success. We were kind of everything wrong with Dallas and a person. And... God calls us in a vocational ministry, which meant we were going to be poor. And uh, I go to work at a church, not to preach, but like to set out chairs and stuff, to serve. And, and as I'm there, like I'll tell you, sin robs you of creativity. You ever notice that? Like, hey man, we're going to change the world, but first we'll just hit scruffs again, you know? But one day, we're going to change the world, but tonight we're going to crickets. But one day... Right, and you just gonna do the same things, right? And it robs you of creativity, and that, that was my story. But now I'm a believer, and I'm, I'm working for the church, and I find myself being trained for this mission trip to Africa, and we're gonna go over there and train the government on conflict resolution, specifically Rwanda, after the genocide. And it's like just this amazing adventure, and there's these attorneys that are going, there's this one specific attorney, and he says, hey guys, uh, I'm gonna stay over uh, for a couple days and, and go on a photo safari in the Maasai Mara, does anybody wanna go with me? And I'm sitting there hearing him say this and I'm like, I would love to go. Like that's my internal thought, I'm like, I would love to go. 
but I'm poor, you know, and, and then he says these magic words. He says, I'll pay for it. I'm like, amen. This guy, I'll, I'll carry your bags. I'll do whatever. I'm, I'm all in, right? And, and he goes, does anybody else want to go? And no one raised their hand. We go to Africa. We train the government. We're on the mission trip. And, uh, and the whole time I'm asking him questions because I don't know what to expect. I'm like, hey, uh, where are we going to sleep? He's like, oh, we'll sleep in tents. And I'm thinking like REI tents. Like that sounds scary. And what are we going to eat? And he's like, oh, they'll probably make like some sandwiches for us or something. And I'm like, well, what about where are we going to shower? And he's like, I bet they'll have some kind of shower. And I'm picturing them like hanging up this like bag of water in the trees or something. I didn't know, you know. I didn't know. I didn't know. We got on a plane. We landed in the African jungle on a dirt runway. This guy drives this Defender 90 up, right? This like awesome Jeep kind of thing. And he sets this spread of food over the hood. He grabs our bags and pours us some coffee. He says, get in. We're driving through the African jungle, all right? There's a lion over there, a herd of zebra over there. There's giraffe right there and no fence anywhere, like nothing man-made, as far as the eye can see, no telephone pole, no nothing. And we're just driving, I'm like, this is amazing. And we pull up to this thick canopy of trees, and as we drive into the trees, there's this big gate, like Jurassic Park. It's like, it's the first man-made thing I saw. The gate opens up, and we drive through the gate, and the thick canopy of trees over us, right? And we're on this road, and we pull in, and all of a sudden, the tree opens up into this like beautiful, perfectly manicured yard. And and there's this hotel, like Ritz-Carlton Four Seasons, and restaurants, and there's this infinity swimming pool. And on the other side of the swimming pool, there's just giraffe and elephants. And in the swimming pool, there's just baboon drinking. And I'm like, I know how to catch you, dude. <laughs> I've seen the video. And I'm walking to my tent, I trip over a warthog, true story. I, they take me in the tent. It has this huge slate foundation, California king-size bed. They heat it up with hot water bottles. There's a shower in my tent, like a nice shower in my tent. And there I am at night. I'm laying in my bed, overwhelmed by the situation. I hear a lion roaring in the distance in the night. And I just think, why didn't they raise their hands? Why didn't no one raise their hands? It's because they didn't know. They didn't know. This guy, this rich young ruler, Jesus is inviting him on to the opportunity of a lifetime. Follow me. He could have been one of the 13th disciples, one of the people that we name our children after, like Matthew or James or John, but he's looking at Jesus. He's like, I can't because I've got some stuff. He's talking to the guy with all the stuff. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to Jesus. And Jesus is like, follow me, come on the adventure. He's like, but I got a fraternity. I can't do it, Jesus. And he leaves sad. And we don't even know his name. Just three 
adjectives to describe him. And I desperately need you to understand that today he's not rich. He's no longer young and he's not ruling anything. He just missed out. And I don't know how many of you know your great-great-grandfather's name, your great-great-grandmother's name, not your grandma, not your great-grandma, but your great-great-grandma. I'm sure a lot of you know her name and her favorite color, favorite things to do, hobbies. She was alive 50 years ago, five zero years ago. And here's what that means. 50 years after they dig a hole and they stand up in front of the church and they say some really nice things about you and they lower your body in the hole and they scrape the dirt on top of it, 50 years later, no one even remembers your name, not even your closest family. To dust you've returned. My dear extremely talented, very successful student friend. What are you going to give your life to? What are you going to live for? In summary, Jesus is calling you to going all in, to go all in by relying fully on his finished works on the cross. Go all in by letting go of whatever is holding you back. And go all in knowing the benefit far outweighs the cost. You have to understand that Jesus is the real rich young ruler. And you don't want to fight Jesus for the throne. Don't make the same mistake as Satan. Only Jesus belongs on the throne. Let me show you something. Sorry if I, like, hit you on this. It's a kite. No, it's not a kite. I'm kidding. It's a rope. It's a rope. But if you'd pretend with me for just a minute that it's a timeline... And pretend it goes on forever. It doesn't. We tied it to a, a bleacher up there, a seat. But pretend it goes on forever and ever and ever, right? And, and here you have Adam and Eve in the garden and Noah and Abraham and Moses and George Washington, you know? I don't, can you see the pink? I don't know. I had to make it bigger than it would be just so you can see it. Can you see the pink on there? Can you see it? You see the pink? That's your 76 years, man. Maybe you do CrossFit and eat kale. You get 85 years. You know, maybe. Some of you, you won't get 40. Right? That's what you've got, man. 
You've got 76 years on average. What are you going to live it for? I'm not just trying to give you some emotional talk. I changed half of the things I was going to say just because worship just messed me up. I'm just telling you, when I went to this thing 20 plus years ago, I left sad. And shortly thereafter, I made some of the biggest mistakes of my life that I would regret for the rest of the rest. Mistakes I tell my children about. Every day I didn't follow Jesus with my whole, I regret it. There's nothing that I've paid to follow Jesus that I regret. There's never been a time that I've done what the scripture said and I regretted it. Some of you, you've been in church your whole life. I'm, I'm gonna tell you the most loving thing that I can tell you, okay? If you said one through nine, which a lot of you did, probably maybe most of you, I don't know, you don't understand the gospel. You, you don't have a right understanding of the gospel, and that's okay. Like to start there, just to say, oh, I don't have a right understanding of the gospel. I don't believe that I am secure because of what Jesus did for me. There's still a part of my life where I'm holding on to my works. I'm, I'm relying on, on what I'm doing for salvation. There, there's, there's this part of this thing that I think is up to me. And you're face to face with the things of this world and all that I believe that God is asking you to say to him right now is I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. I'm gonna set this down. You can just help me do that carefully. There's people, thank you guys. And so you're here and I brought these little ropes to represent your 76 years. This one's longer. That's like somebody that's gonna live 105. Here's a 76 year one, right? And if you're at this place in your life where you're just like, man, I'd rather have Jesus. I, I just, I wanna go all in with Jesus. I, I'm tired of playing games. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian or you're making that choice, just take this as a reminder. For me, like, I kind of burn the ends and put it on my wrist and wear it. I see it every day. It just reminds me that life is but a vapor, like Jesus' brother James says. You can tie it to your backpack, put it around your rearview mirror. You can do whatever you want. But I, I'm gonna set them up and, and you can just grab one if you want and pass it to your neighbor as we worship as we sing and uh, so let me pray Father if there's someone here that you want to bring into a relationship with you tonight I'm not good enough to do that I can't speak eloquently enough uh, I'm just flat out not enough and so would you do that in your sovereignty and your mercy and your grace would you just rush their hearts right now with your Holy Spirit and just turn them on give them new ones I pray that they would tell somebody that they would leave their life behind them that they would just be committed to walking with you doing all that you would ask them to do I pray that you would give them friends that know and love you, that you'd surround them with people who have a relationship with you, just real 
community, if you will, God, that you would do that. Would you just say in your heart right now, you can say it out loud if you want, just just say the words. If you're at this place where you'd rather have Jesus, just say, I'd rather have Jesus. Let's say that together. On three, I'd rather have Jesus. One, two, three. God, I'm just gonna go out and say, I think we mean that. Help us to mean that. In Jesus' name, amen.